You're listening to Stand Out Get Noticed, episode 195. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome to Stand Out Get Noticed. I'm Christina Cantor's speaker, coach, and founder of The C Method, where I help high-performing professionals and business leaders to build powerful communication skills. You can learn more at thecmethod.com. If you want to connect with our community and be in a supportive environment as you develop your confidence with speaking and communication, join our Facebook group, search for the group The C Method Rockstars or go to thecmethod.com slash community. We can't wait to meet you in the group. Now, have you ever had a bad boss or manager? Someone whose leadership was somewhat lacking or non-existent? I think we all have, really, at some stage, right? And I want you to have a think about how it impacted your experience at work. You most likely felt underappreciated, overworked, maybe you felt like you didn't belong, like your work didn't matter, and you probably ended up feeling deeply unsatisfied and unhappy. Now, this is exactly what happened to Lisa Wiking, who is my guest this week on the show. Lisa experienced very poor leadership when she first entered the workforce, and when her manager was moved on and she took their place, she was determined to be a great leader for her team. And as a result of her efforts, the business she was a part of made an incredible turnaround. Now, 18 years on, and Lisa is an author, a coach, and a trainer, and she's passionate about helping small business owners and leaders to build, improve, and maintain a positive working culture to increase staff morale, staff retention, customer retention, productivity, and ultimately, profitability. You can find more about the work she does at lisawiking.com. That's wiking spelt W-I-K-I-N-G. Now, I saw Lisa speak at a conference I was emceeing, and I remember being so drawn to her passion and her genuine desire to add value and make a difference. So I asked her to be a guest on the show, and we had a great conversation. And in this chat, uh, we talk about why people's happiness at work is so important for business success and the leader's role in that. We talk about how to inspire people to want to come to work and do a good job. And she also shares what to communicate to your team to inspire them. And these are the foundations for great leadership. So if you lead a team or you aspire to leading a team, this one's for you. Doesn't matter if you are a business owner growing a small team or if you're in the corporate space growing a larger team, it's all relevant to you. Show notes will be at thecmethod.com slash 195. Okay. Are you ready to meet the fabulous Lisa Wiking? Let's do it. My first question to her was, where does your passion for helping people to be great leaders and create positive working cultures come from? Here's Lisa. My passion comes from the pain of experiencing poor leadership. I set out of my career in the job of my dreams. I was so excited to be um, in in a job that I, I really was passionate about and I wanted to do well in and I you know I, I dressed for the occasion of the interview and I was successful with the interview and I got into the job and I was learning the ropes and this was this job was like learning a whole new language um, and 
that was hard enough in itself. But then to add to that, I was, I didn't know whether I would be spoken to that day or not, or whether I would just be ignored, or whether I would be ridiculed, or feel like I was to blame for the lack of performance of the business. Or, you know, there was so many different things where I, I would literally go home crying almost every night. And my dad, I love him. He gave me the best advice and he said, don't quit on a bad day, quit on a good day. If you still don't like it on a good day, then you know you can quit. And so for that reason, I didn't resign. It was 18 months of hell, I guess, of of being in a work environment that was horrible. But when she wasn't there, I loved it. (laughs) So So this was just your your manager? Yes, my manager. Yes. And so it, it was... It was, you know, I loved the job, but I just didn't like the environment. And, you know, she's not a bad person, but just her her inability to lead or to um, run a business was, you know, obviously quite problematic for all of us. And so 18 months into it, uh, the whole team had resigned. Everyone had left except for me. Um, She and the second in charge were moved on. And so it was just me left in in this business. And so I thought, well, I was going to apply for the the second in charge position and I thought no why don't I just apply for the the manager's position and see how we go and and there was nobody else so it wasn't for you know, performance <laughs> or anything I got it purely out of you know there being nobody else to do it and so I was given this this role um my the leader at the time then uh, the area leader she said you've got 3 months to prove yourself and at that stage I had to do all the recruitment and everything and so my skills and leadership skills were fairly non-existent. But what I did know is how not to do it. I'd learned how not to do it. And I knew that the performance uh, the performance of my team was going to be dependent on how good they felt. And so my questions in the recruitment was, do you know how to have fun? And don't judge me on this, but do you barrack for Collingwood? I don't barrack for Collingwood anymore. <laughs> uh, but that was just to demonstrate my lack of, of any kind of skill when it comes to interviewing or, or leadership. Um, and so with that, I built a team around me, all had no experience. And we, in that first 12 months, we turned the business around almost $150,000. And wow. I was almost shocked that... Just that change, you know, the business beforehand had lots of experienced people, whereas we were not experienced at all. But what we did is we had fun. And so we had, um, you know, great customers. They loved coming in to see us and, and we had fun. And that was the result. And it was then that my passion for, for good leadership was born because I knew how horrible it felt to be in, in an environment where it was awful and I also knew the power that I held as a leader to making my team feel valued, appreciated. And then the payoff out of that I got from that was that we had an amazing year and, and we were one of the most successful businesses in the whole company. So mm-hmm. so from that I was I was hooked then. And so I did that a, a number of times over. Um, and then I opened a new store. And then from there, I was put into a, a, a high-performance coach role where I go around and help uh, newbies set up their business and, and become successful quicker. Um, and so then I was given an opportunity to lead that small business um, as the, what was I called, the National Operations Manager. And then 
I came back into the big business that I was a part of and was an area manager. When I fell pregnant, my first child, that area manager job was too big. I didn't want to work those kind of hours with a baby. So I didn't go back and I always knew that I would start my leadership coaching business as a as a mum. And so here we are. She's about to turn five next Tuesday. So <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that's my story and, and that's why, you know, it comes from a, a place of knowing how horrible it can be and also knowing how amazing it can be. And and you know what, the the thing that drives me is that people their their happiness in work determines how happy they are overall. And so this is not just a, a business and this is a global thing that we as leaders have a responsibility for the happiness of the human race. And if every leader owned that, then the world would be a much happier place. Wow. That's beautiful big picture thinking. Yeah. I yeah, love that. Me too. <laughs> Lisa, you mentioned before about um, it sounded like this is at the core of good leadership and bad leadership around helping your team to feel valued and appreciated. Yes. Um, is this what you feel is missing from most workplaces? Yes, I do. Uh, I, I, I think there is a gap in, I, don't, I mean, I don't know exactly, but I think there's a gap in awareness or a gap in, yeah, awareness of, of how much impact we as the leader have. And I remember this feeling myself when I, as a leader, when we grow in our leadership's uh, skill and we progress and we, we add you know, more feathers to our bow, we as a person, we don't feel like we've changed. We're still the same person. But our influence and our impact of our behaviour on others has and I think there's a, a lack of recognising that that is actually the case as a leader, that who we are, how we behave and, and how we treat others is magnified tenfold when we are a leader to when we are just one person not responsible for anybody else. Can you give your definition of a leader in this context compared to, say, a manager? Are they the same thing or are there differences? No, I think, I think they're differences and it, and it really is semantics. I think a leader is um, someone who is leading someone to somewhere and I think that is a, a big distinction whereas a manager is managing the current state. Um, so a leader must have a, a direction that they are moving in and that they want to take their people with them. Um, and and if, if you don't have a direction or a destination that you're aiming for then where are you leading them you're not leading them anywhere so whereas a manager it is managing exactly what is now and that's it but the problem is that that's not inspiring for people and we have to think about okay it's we can no longer expect people just to do what we say because they have a job and they get paid a wage that's not how it works anymore that's 1950s thinking it is not the current employment um, landscape so as, as leaders, we must inspire our people to, to want to come to work, to want to contribute to the bigger picture, to want to help um, and be a part of something bigger. And that's leadership, not management. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. And you actually answered a question I was going to ask you, which was what would you say to people who think that, 
you know, my team's just here to do their job mm, and get paid. Yeah. And that's what, that's all they want. They just want to come here, yeah. do their work and go home. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, it's very old fashioned thinking. Um, and if you speak to anyone, you speak to your family members who have a job, is that enough? Just doesn't matter what the environment is when you're at work. If you get paid, that's enough. And I'm for me, I would not want my family members to be in an environment where that's all it is, is just a paycheck at the end of the day. I want my team, my family, and therefore my team to feel that they are contributing at a, on a greater level, that they're part of something bigger than just themselves. And this is especially applicable for the millennials because, and this is a generalisation, so I don't want to be held to account of not everybody's like this, but as a generalisation, many millennials come from broken families. They come from, you know, families that have, have split. And so they're looking for that that um, safety or that, that um, feeling of belonging in other environments. And one of those environments is work. And so if they can build connections, if they can feel important, if they can feel safe in their work environment, then that is going to mean they're going to stick a lot longer than if it just is going to work for a paycheck. And I guess that's the end of the day is do you want long-term um, staff retention or do you are you happy with that constant revolving door of staff in and out, staff in and out, which it can be, depending on the business, can be very expensive. Mm. Lisa, can you expand on, you mentioned um, helping your staff to feel safe. Yes. Can you expand on that, what that actually means? Well, human nature uh, is, and this is an Anthony Anthony Robbins thing, if you've heard of Anthony Robbins, uh, Mm. humans have six core needs. Um, So no matter um, age, sex, nationality, religion, no, no, no variables matter. Every single human being has these six core needs. And the first and the biggest driver for human behavior is that of certainty. And so we as people, as humans, need to feel that we have certainty within our environment. And that in a work environment, in a work environment that looks like certainty of what is expected of us, certainty of we know how and what we need to do to be successful, certainty that we've got the skill set, certainty that we have a leader who or a manager who is consistent in moods and not up and down, Uh, certainty that we know when the meetings are going to happen and then can be prepared and not just have them sprung on us at, at the drop of a hat. All these things add to us feeling certain or safe. And Mm -hmm. the more these things don't happen or the opposite happens, the less safe we feel, which means that we will start to search for other areas, potentially, as long as we we sound mind, search for other areas to meet that feeling of safety. Um, Whether that be another job, whether that be a complete disengagement and I don't care, I'm protecting myself so I'm certain that I'm protecting myself and I don't care about, you know, the business or, or what happens. Any of that leads to a lack of productivity or, or, or loss of employee and therefore expense. So mm-hmm. understanding how to meet the need for your people, uh, meet, meet the need of certainty for your people is a hugely financially beneficial, let alone um, rewarding as well for not only you but also the team absolutely 
And what if you're, say, what if you're a business owner? I know we're talking mostly around, you know, corporate professionals here, but yep. I'm curious if you're a business owner growing a team, but you're, you're not at the stage where you're hiring full time yet, but maybe you're growing a team of contractors. Mm. How do you provide that certainty and safety for them? Exactly the same way. So they, okay. they still need to know what is expected of them. They still need to know how to be successful, so what their role is. Um, they need to know um, if, the, if and when there's going to be meetings. Um, and they need to know that if, if something goes wrong that, that you've got their back. So as the business owner, you've got their back and we'll help them support them to, you know, to, to fix or to um, progress from where they are. That's a great point, around, especially around especially around the safety part of when people make a mistake, yes. they feel safe oh. that, that you're there to support them yeah. and you're not going to blame them or make them feel worse about themselves. Yes, yeah, so I don't know whether you've heard. Have you heard about the story? I think it was IBM. Is it Bill Gates? Is he IBM? Just from memory, I think it's Microsoft. Microsoft. That's a, Sorry, Microsoft is what I was thinking of. Thank you. <laughs> um, so the story of, of Bill Gates had a Microsoft employee come to him um, and the he the he was handing in his re- resignation as he just made a, a mistake that cost the business a million dollars, and so he handed the letter to Bill Gates, and Bill Gates responded with, um, "What's this?" And he said, "It's my resignation. Obviously, I've I've cost the company a significant amount of money." He said, "You were not going anywhere. I've just invested a million dollars in your education." <laughs> and so that that way of approaching it is is. You know, as long as there is a learning as a result, it's a valuable investment. The time it becomes a cost or an expense is when nobody learns anything. Hey, Rockstar, if you're a regular listener, you'll know that my next eight-week online group coaching program for professional women starts very soon. That is February 6th. And I wanted to let you know applications close on Tuesday, 22nd of January. That's next Tuesday. So if you want to be recognized at work, speak up and be heard, make a bigger impact, have more confidence when public speaking and influence and engage your colleagues and stakeholders and reach the level of success you desire and deserve, there's a lot of things there, then this is the program for you, my friend. Go to thecmethod.com slash group coaching for more information and to apply. But you must apply by Tuesday, 22nd of January, if you want to be considered for this next round, which starts February 6th. That link again is thecmethod.com slash group coaching. We'll set up a discovery call to explore if the program is a fit for you. Now, the call is free and there's no obligation at all to sign up. Not at all. We're simply exploring your goals, your aspirations, your challenges, and whether the program is a fit for you. Okay. I look forward to speaking with you. All right. Back to the show. So these skills that you're talking about and, you know, from all the work that you've done with people helping them to develop these these strong leadership skills, is it something that people can learn or are some people just, it's just not in their nature to behave that way? Well, I think there's a combination. I think there's definitely, there are people who have natural leadership skill um, and that's just, that's just how it is. But then I 100% wholeheartedly believe that leadership can be taught. And in fact, my the book that I wrote, Leadership Skills Reduce the Bills, is very much about the actionable steps on how to build leadership into your daily 
business or daily work that you do. So, and it's it's about bringing it from the abstract down into the actionable. And and I think leadership often is is very abstract. It's like, oh, just be a good leader. Like, how the do you do that? <laughs> whereas whereas when when you have specific specific actionable steps, so do this, then do this, then do this, then anybody can do it if they want to. Can we talk some of those actionable steps right now? Well, we <laughs> certainly can. <laughs> so I think I think first and foremost, and I, I, this is with all any communication training or leadership training, everything comes down to your intention. So the first thing that's most important is be clear on what your intention is. And and as a leader, it's I don't know whether you, you've heard Simon Sinek speak. I'm a huge Simon Sinek fan. Um, and and he he says that your job as a leader is to rise the people around you, to help the people around you rise up, not to push yourself forward first. And so so as your intention a, a quality leader's intention will always be to see my people succeed, to see I want to see my people achieve and succeed uh, and, and for the greater good. So if that's, if that's your intention or you've got an intention that, that is for uh, what we call in coaching or NLP uh, ecology, um, where it's good for you, good for me and good for the greater good, that's a great place to start with is your intention. Then the first step is to know your purpose, to know why the business exists, which often comes from the the business uh, founder. Um, If the business founder is not available, then it comes from the team and what the team is inspired by. Um, And there is a process, a Simon Sink process that um, can be done to to uncover that. Um, When you have that, that that, that process then also spits out the values of uh, the team or the business. And those two things, the the purpose and which is what we believe, um, and then the values, that's how you recruit. So the most, the two most important things when recruiting te- a team member are those two things: do they believe in what you believe in, and what your purpose is, and do they hold the same values? Mm. And if the answer is no, don't even bother pursuing or considering further conversation about skill set because it's secondary. You can improve and change someone's skill set. You can't change someone's belief and values. Yes, absolutely. It's I not, love that. It's, it's not possible. Well, you can, but it has to be with their um, consent. So, and that's that's coaching. But but so so that is the 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 first and foremost is is values and beliefs have to match so that there is a, a happy uh, marriage between the business and the employee. Then you can look at, at skills. So that's the first part is know your purpose, what, wh- why the business exists, and then how um, you go about doing business. Then there needs to be a vision. So the vision is a statement, an aspirational statement of some point in the future that the business or team wants to achieve. And then that's, is that the thing that you can sort of have on the wall so that everyone's clear and it's, and it's all there for people to see? Yes. Yes. That, I mean, the, the purpose should be infiltrated through the whole business or the whole everything. So their 
Um, so they the team sees that all the time. It should be talked about in every meeting, etc. Uh, same for the vision. So the vision is what we're working towards. It's it's the united goal. It's the thing that everyone has in common that everyone's working towards to achieve. Mm, so good. So that's that's the vision. And then what's the, after that? <laughs> so the next step. So then the next step are the goals. So the goals of the business or the team are the metrics so the things that are measurable that have numbers attached to them if it doesn't have a number it's not measurable so it's not a goal can you give an example of what we would be measuring sure depends on what what type of business you're in but if you have customers then it could be number of inquiries that you get versus the number that become customers which then is your conversion rate Um, it could be the amount each customer purchases the average amount uh, it could be if they how many repeat clients you have, how many referral clients you have. So I mean turnover. So um, it's an overall, so overall metrics of the team. The numbers, yep. yes, exactly. So or yeah, exactly. So it's all the numbers that are important to help the the business achieve the vision. So that aspirational aspirational statement um, at some point in the future, the numbers must then must help the business achieve that vision. Mm, awesome. Then a side thing here is as, as a leader, that vision is what you're talking about. That vision is what you're focused on. The goal is the goals are the how you're going to get there. And the strategies, I think is, it's always important for the team to be involved in identifying the strategies, are how you're going to achieve those goals. Sure. So we've got purpose, vision, then the metrics, yep. and then the strategies. Goals, yep. Correct. And then aside from that is that people are human. We're human. Sometimes we fall off the rails. Sometimes we don't do what needs to be done. In order for us to or for, for our team to know what is expected of them, there are two things we need. We need very clear job descriptions. Most corporates have these, but um, small businesses uh, uh, sometimes don't. More often than not, don't. <laughs> um, so a a very clear job description, and then not just that, that's the actions that are expected of them in the business, but then a, another set of expectations that are all the things that are required in order for them to be successful within the business. Now, I often say that this is a case of the business owner or leader making a list of everything that annoys them. I usually do a bit of swearing there, but I won't do it in <laughs> special environments. Um, everything that annoys them is make a list and then set, get, and depending on how, I mean, there's a process of this as well. So it depends on how much time you can give this. Um, but the most powerful way is to get the team to agree on what the expectation is. So given that we want to achieve this vision and to achieve this vision, we have these goals. In order for us to achieve these goals, this is the behaviour that we need to perform to be on a daily basis. Mm. And then you get everyone to agree to that. Everyone so agrees. Everyone's clear. Mm. Exactly. And then those th- these are not locked in. They're not just written and then shoved in a drawer somewhere. These need to be um, fluid. So you put them up at the back wherever they can see it, in the lunchroom, wherever is um, a space that everyone sees. And if something becomes not possible, so the expectations, this must be able to be met by all people. So the business owner, any manager, 
Um, everyone needs to be able to meet these expectations. The minute one can't, it's reviewed, is this an unrealistic expectation? But given that all these expectations are now are realistic, if these expectations are not met, they are addressed immediately. Right. And I, I, this every single time, and I know this sounds tedious, I know this sounds like nitpicking, but if you think about if the low standards of not meeting these expectations is allowed to continue, it doesn't stay the same as a snowball effect to the point where you have some significantly underperforming people within the business which are causing some significant problems. And and almost always the business owner or manager loss of sleep. Mm. So it's much easier to address these issues one at a time when they arise. You only have to do it a couple of times and they know that they're just not going to get away with it. See, this is where the other part of, of human nature comes in is that human beings will do more to avoid pain than they will to gain pleasure. <laughs> yeah. So people knowing that if, if this is their job and they can either do their job or, or nothing, there's no other consequence, then, well, it's easy just to not do, do their job. Whereas if they know that someone's going to have a conversation with them of, okay, this, this is the expectation, for what purpose did you choose not to do that, mm. then they are more likely to just do their job. Yes. And when you're consistent, and this is going back to your very, one of your first points around being consistent and helping them yes. and providing that level of security and, con- and consistency, when you are consistent in how you then um, address these errors or when they're not meeting expectations, they're going to yes. learn very quickly. That, and, yes. that's, and that's partly then strengthening your position as a leader who is consistent. Exactly. And it doesn't, it's not the same. Like you're not going to have to pull up everyone, you know, 25 times a day. They will quickly learn and then stop pushing the boundaries because they know what the boundaries are. But the the catch here is, and this is why it doesn't happen, is that leaders also will do more to avoid pain than they will to gain pleasure. So, and many leaders think that this is confrontational and people, many people will want to do, will do anything to avoid confrontation. Whereas if it's addressed in the moment, it's not a big rah conversation. It is just a conversation of, hey, this is what we agreed on as a team. What part of this do you not understand or have you missed? I want to help you get back back on track because this is what's expected. It's, It's a very casual, calm conversation. If the same offense happens again, then then you ramp up the the intensity of each conversation as the offense continues. Um, but but the first part is just, hey, what part of this did you miss? Because I want to help you get back on board. Mm. And I think that would solve so many problems for people who oh. think who just don't like the idea of confrontation. And it's like, well, maybe you don't yes. need to. You can avoid confrontation if you set these measures up um, from the very beginning. Exactly. So they're the steps. So do those steps <laughs> and leadership will be a breeze. <laughs> So good, Lisa. I've taken so many notes. Oh, good. Look, thank you so much for sharing. Oh, you're um, most welcome. Thanks for having me. I know that you, you've got a lot going on. You do a lot of work with people around this. Mm. So can you share with us where can people connect with you? Yeah, okay. So so I love working with small business owners and also, um, I guess, middle management leaders because that's where I came from um, in helping them navigate the the difficulty of of people leadership people management and and communication often often it can be just about how to 
word something differently to get a different response or a different result. And and so, so often there is a very simple um, outcome or simple change to give a, a big difference in, in the outcome. Um, one of my latest things um, that I've added myself is finding the why, finding my why um, workshop, which can be either for an individual or for a team. And that's giving, it's almost, it's life-changing for the individual when we do it for the individual and then gives us such a clear direction to be able to make decisions from a business perspective because it's either it helps you meet your why or it doesn't and there it is very clear cut. So that that's my my um, focus at the moment. I love doing them and, and it's certainly uh, good fun. Wonderful. And where can people find you? Uh, com. L-I-S-A-W-I-K-I-N-G.com or lisa at lisawiking.com uh, is my email. Thank you so much again, Lisa, for being so generous and for sharing all your wonderful oh, wisdom. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Christina, for having me. And thanks, everyone, for listening. How awesome is Lisa Wiking? A big thanks to her for being such an amazing guest on the show this week. You can find out more about what she does at lisawiking.com or simply visit the show notes at thecmethod.com slash 195. As always, all the links mentioned in this episode um, for the show notes and also where you can sign up for the group coaching program are in the description of your of this podcast in your app. All right, and that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Don't forget to apply for the group coaching program. If this is something you are really interested in learning more about, go to thecmethod.com slash group coaching. Keep on being awesome and I'll talk to you next week. My name's Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. <laughs> <laughs>